It's the CMXU Rider Rundown, brought to you by KTM Canada, Husqvarna Canada, and Gas Gas Canada, and Bristol Coachworks, with your host, Ryan Gauld. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go again with a little bit of a rider check-in, and this is going to be a good one for sure. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time I might have done a podcast with said gentleman on the line here, uh, and I can't even remember when it would have been, so I don't even have any history. This might be the first one ever that we've done on this kind of thing. Uh, before we get into it, though, of course, we got to give a big shout-out to Bristol Coachworks, at Bristol Coachworks on YouTube and Instagram. Hit them up. They can uh, design you a sprinter. The front of the Honda Canada GDR rig is all designed by these guys. Refurbishment, all kinds of cool things that Bristol Coachworks can make your current vehicle look just that little much better for traveling or just, hey, you want to show off to some chick you're trying to pick up. You never know. Bristol Coachwork, it could dial you in. And, of course, KTM Canada, Husqvarna Canada, and Gas Gas Canada. Thanks to those crew over there for supporting what we do, and we appreciate it. Ryder McNabb, champion on the 250 class on the KTM bike. So if you get a KTM you can do nothing but win races. But the man on the line might argue against that because in the 450 class, he had another perfect overall season, not perfect moto like the year before. So he's just not as good, I guess. That's how we're going to go with this. But uh, I got none other than Dylan Wright. Dylan, buddy, first off, thank you for your time. And I uh, appreciate uh, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I think the last time I did one, I remember, I don't remember when it was, but I was getting my eyes checked. So I don't know when that was in the spring your eyes <laughs> i was i did it and i was in a i was in a, like a new look or whatever getting my eyes checked okay cool well look you got a hell of a i like the memory on you that's one good thing about you you remember a lot of weird things i don't yeah. remember that <laughs> okay how are your eyes they look like they worked all summer yeah no we're good yeah we're good i was just like yeah just had to go get a little checkup you know or they are they were actually just they were just closed for all the perfect overalls they were just closed the whole time <laughs> well yeah you know sometimes you, you know you see a little red and uh go a little crazy yeah yeah some, yeah some might say they might be closed some might say i have others people there's fans that are like i swear his eyes were closed when he came into that turn <laughs> how did he do that dylan how do you sign this autograph with your eyes closed yeah uh, um, let's get right into it. I, I, we'll, we'll kind of take a little step back to the week. I know you've done a few interviews and stuff like that, but I mean, who listens to those? those only, only people listen to Canadian Motocross Unfiltered, buddy. This is the best one. Um, I'm just talking shit, of course. Uh, Iron Man last weekend, uh, Bud's Creek didn't go as well. You decided to wrap a chain around your neck as if you were some sort of, uh, a killer out there. Like that was the picture that we saw. That chain was just Pac-Manning the motor. It looked like basically, um, so. Um, yeah, it was just unlucky. You, you, got a rock, you got a rock or something that just kicked in? Yeah, I don't, it's hard to tell, really, yeah. um, to be honest. Like, the chain guide at the back was definitely bent a little bit. Okay. Um, and it, like, wore through the chain guide, which, anyways, I never really had one wear that through that bad, and I've run it basically on the steel sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really know why that would have went, or, like, a rock went in there and it snapped it or yeah, something. Yeah, okay. Or, um hard to tell or because like that chain guide if it, the chain gets really tight you can put a lot of tension on it but yeah i'm not a hundred percent sure what happened and yeah. it was also weird because my chain derailed while i was wide open which because i was going up the going up the hill by the where the shack is on the like the announcer's tower oh yeah yeah so i was like fourth gear wide open and then my chain derailed which is weird because normally 
your chain will derail like landing off a jump or something right. when you're not on the gas or um like yeah it's got to break loose cell yeah. when there's yeah. like not as much tension on it like normally it won't come off when you're wide open theoretically so um yeah weird one just uh not really anything we could do different um i guess the only other thing was uh yeah people were not super stoked i didn't line up for the second moto but like we didn't have time to do that no yeah 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 you needed a f- like full everything pretty and a swing arm too i guess right we knew for same when we were talking about it yeah yeah we needed like more time than 35 40 minutes because like i mean everybody's yeah hrc's there and we're pitting with them but like it would realistically was Braden and i that would be doing the mechanicing on the bike yeah <laughs> you know if something like that happened and like i don't mind jumping in and doing like a helping them do a motor swap if i have to like between motos but um there was a yeah there was a lot going on there like we had to cut the chain out with a grinder and yeah the swing yeah. arm wouldn't move and then um obviously the engine was screwed and then wrecked my the whole engine like the transmission and everything because when it i mean i was fourth gear wide open and i came to a stop so wrecked a bunch of stuff internally which wasn't ideal either so um yeah Shitty. just kind of chalk it up as they move on to the next one so okay before we get into iron man just a little bit we don't need to talk about all this stuff too much so i want to talk more of the canadian stuff but um you go to was it which was the weekend where basically everything imploded with you at digs that was geneva yeah okay so okay yeah. so geneva like where the, a bunch of stuff went wrong <laughs> like, well yeah just like, like the, a bunch. <laughs> the fucking the chat group that i was in was just nothing but pictures of this bike just in shambles and yeah and, that poor brand new bike from some dealer probably yeah Goddamn. <laughs> that was okay so and that was one of your first times really leaving the country like that right yeah, yeah, going overseas. Like, I had done a couple U.S. nationals just really honestly by myself. Like, yeah. I just go down by myself and do them. Um, when I was younger, like, maybe when I was 16, kind of, whenever that age is that you can actually race it, I right. did a couple. But um, those was, like, my first one, like, leaving and being part of, like, another team and stuff like that. Okay, so Geneva. And then uh, the next sort of off-season one would have been the, the time that you spent over there uh, for a bunch of weeks, I think, right, With when you did the GPs. Yep. Right. Okay. And those went those went pretty pretty good. And then you went back to Paris, which went yep. decently. It didn't. Nothing happened there. Um, yep. And then uh, so Bud's Creek. And then I'm missing one. I feel like I'm missing one where something went wrong. Uh, Iron Man when I in 2019 after I won the 2D championship, I concussed myself in the first moto. Okay, that one. Oh, that is that wasn't it. I thought I forgot, I thought I'm missing one more. But it seems like. It's either a, it's a 50-50 go when you leave Canada. It's fit, we're kind of like 50-50 right now as far as good bad kind of thing. And then in Canada, dude, your your streak for the last 5 years, literally the last 5 years is like almost fucking 100%. How does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's just change of environment to be honest. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody will say you're more comfortable at home and but it, it really is like I know the tracks, I know the people, I know how my bike's gonna react on these Canadian tracks. Um, I think it's just our setup for here is really good. Like obviously, you know, we do testing for Canada. So oh wait, I know what it was. The donations in Mantova, you got smoked in the first turn. Yeah. yeah okay, that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Donations. Okay. Sorry. Continue now. 
Um, <laughs> I had Redbud last year too. I kind of got landed. Ah, uh, yeah, Redbud. Yeah, the the first first moto, right? Yeah, yeah. Moto. yeah. Second moto was all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just everything kind of set up for everything here, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. We go over and um. It's like foreign, although it is getting, I mean, I'm getting more used to it after, you know, you do it for a while, you kind of tend to get used to racing against those guys, especially because, I mean, at our point, like where I'm at in my career is like you go over and you're racing a lot of the same guys every time. Obviously, you know, like some of the younger guys come up, but you kind of learn them. So I think we're trending in the right direction. It's just, um, you know, I mean, then there's, you know, bad luck and stuff like that, but um I think when you go to those races, a lot of it's like, you think here we have the semi, we have two bikes, we have parts everywhere, but we go to these races, like, especially, you know, you know, like maybe nations or something like that, which is a little bit different last year, but you know, we don't have two bikes. You don't have all the parts that you would normally bring to a race. Um, you know, you're traveling so far, especially the ones overseas, you're normally borrowing bikes off of either a team or um, someone has them set up for you. Like Eric gets, you know, bikes right in from like Honda France or whatever. But um, it's just, I mean, it's weird. You just bring half of your stuff um, and it's just not the same. So I think that's why some of the stuff can go wrong. Um, and I mean, like at Bud's last weekend, it was honestly just a fluke. Not much we can do about it, but yeah. Um, I know everybody's, you know, they're like, oh, we have a curse and stuff going down there. I, I don't think it's that. I just think, you know, we're not, we don't treat these races as a championship race like we would for the Canadian stuff, like right. where points matter and nothing can go wrong. Whereas these ones, like, yeah, we want to do well. We want to, you know, US, uh, you know, want a top five and destinations we want to do as well as we can. Um, but there's not that kind of added pressure of points and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of a different vibe. Um, but I mean, obviously at some of those races you have to push out of, well, my comfort zone anyways. Yeah. Whereas like in Canada, a lot of us know who we're racing against. So, you know, we race against each other all the time. So you know what a guy's going to do versus a guy's not going to do. And over there, you don't know everybody's tendencies as much. That's why I think if we continue to race more of stuff like that, we would get used to it it's just a matter of going to do it so is it just like a matter of like semi bad luck like it just like there's really no explanation to it it's not a mental thing it's not a bike thing it just shit happens sometimes and it just it it seems to happen in that sort of scenario i guess at the moment yeah i think bike related stuff yeah um it's just kind of because we don't have different bikes when we go down there obviously canada we'd be able to hop on a different bike for the second moto at buds but us you can't do that um but I, I think bike stuff is just kind of bad luck. Like, we have the same program. Generally speaking, we have our same mechanics. I'm going to talk for myself. Like, I bring my own mechanic with me. Um, and so stuff like that, that's all the same. I think as a rider, um, the you know, the mental side of it can get to you a little bit, especially, you know, going to these destinations and these big events. Like, um it can get to you, especially when you're young. I know I struggled with it a lot when I was young. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, like, hey, I'm the, the Canadian, one of the top dogs in Canada, and you go down there and you're like, oh, dang, like, I just got blown by by two or three guys sometimes. And you're just like, what <laughs> yeah. the heck is going on? And then it kind of mentally screws you a little bit. Um, and I think that's why, like, 
it's good for younger kids. I wish I would have done it almost a little bit more was to go down there more and get used to, you know, sprinting at that pace because in Canada we're pretty relaxed on the first couple acts. Like everybody lets the race kind of come to them. Maybe, you know, with myself, maybe trying to sprint more than others sometimes. But um, then you go to these overseas races where, or GPs or the U S where the start is so important that all these guys are trying to get the best track position they can in the first two laps because um, they know that that's going to be important in the end. And I think for us, it's just getting used to it. Like guys going everywhere, you're getting your front wheel sawed off a lot more. Um, you know, guys aren't giving you space like they would um, in Canada. So it's kind of just getting used to it. And I think that's why in Canada, sometimes like when a U.S. guy comes up, they're not liked as much because we're not used to kind of racing that way. So right. it's just, I think mentally it's just getting used to that as a rider and it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. I mean, so, uh, it was second moto this past week and you got a really good start. You're like 10th on lap one. I think when you crossed the green flag, maybe ninth. Um, yeah. did you notice that? Like you were in there with like the Cincerello and, and I mean, you've raced Phil before, but, uh, Freddie Norin was, uh, was right in around there. Like you were in the, the, the heat of the bigger name guys, the top 10 guys. Um, did you notice that you had to kind of be a little bit more, uh, greasy on chopping your turns from the guy behind you and then also trying to make sure that you were super aggressive to stay on the wheel in front of you? Yeah. Up in the top 10, like once I got that top 10 start, it was actually almost easier because guys aren't trying to like dice their way through three or four at a time kind of thing. Like, right. like I would have done in the first moto, like just trying to move everywhere and just hope there's some space. Um, and up there it wasn't like, it wasn't too bad. Cause I was actually making a couple passes at the start. Like on the first two laps, I kind of passed my way up from maybe 10th into the I think, <laughs> sixth or seventh or wherever I was at the time. Um, but then once I got behind AC for like two or three laps, um, it honestly just felt super comfortable. Like, yeah. I was like, Oh, this pace is pretty good. Now that I'm up here, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's a lot easier to just follow, you know, guys breaking points. And I was like, I was actually riding well within kind of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like, we we're, you know, we we're coming up onto Phil. Um, and then Anderson was right behind me. He, um, he like got by me. So I was trying to latch on to Anderson cause I could see, a few of the things that he was doing and like honestly on the weekend he was a top three guy so i was like i need to try and follow him and see what he's doing and then uh yeah then just kind of i was using a different line in these rollers and i was trying to hop back across to the middle to the middle rep before the finish line and i just kind of caught a bump weird with my front it kicked my back around and then yeah kind of went along for the ride there but um i just it was cool to ride kind of up at the front of the pack but also be well within my means of speed so that was kind of cool for me i wasn't having and then after i fell i had to push and you know try and get back to the front but it was kind of cool to be up there and be like oh this is i can actually go this pace for probably about 30 minutes um i obviously have never even been close to the level you're at but when you're saying these things like in 1998 daytona i got a great start in my heat race and i was up there with these guys i was on the gate with mcgrath and the big name guys that i had been watching in like you know terra firmas and shit like that and you've grown up a kid and obviously you and eight you're older than ac i think but jason anderson's older than you and when you're saying this like hey i'm gonna try to latch on to anderson in the moment, are you like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm going to try to latch on Anderson here? Or are you like, I got this shit, like I fit in here? Um, I mean, that might be a bit of a, a, a weird old fan question, if you will. But um, that's that those moments when I was back then, when I was 18, 20 years old, 
I was like, holy shit, I, I've seen this guy on TV. I mean, now it's a lot easier to see all these guys and almost be a part of them. And you got to go to the Lawrence's farm uh, all this winter. So maybe it's not quite a shell shock, but I just feel like what a kind of a cool moment. Do you get a second to kind of embrace it? Or you're like, no, I fit here. I belong here. Yeah, AC, yeah, AC was always like a year or two older than me. So oh, is he one older? Him, okay, so I thought he was one I've never actually really ridden with Adam. I know him like a little bit from off the track, but um, so honestly, like just riding with him, I was like, oh, this is like pretty cool. Um, and then with Anderson, I, when you're in the moto, you don't think about it too no. much. Okay. Um, like for me, you're kind of just in there, and I was like, I'm just going to try and learn off of these, you know, a guy like Anderson who had the better speed than me that day like um but his speed was actually like achievable i think yeah. <laughs> whereas like you know some like jet and sexton like I, i'm not going that pace um so I, it was just kind of nice to you know be behind a guy and try and learn off of him um and that's what i like the most about kind of going down there is you can see what they're doing different and uh that helps like, yeah. myself a lot to see just kind of the changes that um i can maybe make with my riding that actually uh transitions into something i got a question through twitter and i was gonna answer it back and then i'm like you know what i'll wait i'll wait to talk to you about it like what is the biggest difference between a guy like you so when people look up dylan wright over the last three seasons in canada the domination the perfect season all these kinds of things and then you see what jet did this past year and what sexton does and all these kind of what is the difference like why uh, this is going to sound stupid but why can't you being how dominant you are in our country and all that kind of stuff go as fast as those guys you've had the, the resume on data on paper looks kind of the same but when you go to that country and that track and you see those guys what is the biggest difference so coming from you it's going to be the obvious the the most um you know obvious answer here because as a fan watching you just oh wow this and that you make your assumptions but uh, what is the biggest difference between a guy like Dylan Wright and a guy like Jet Lawrence or Chase Sexton? <laughs> I mean, if I knew that, I'd be a millionaire probably um, to go exactly their pace. But, um, I mean, what Jet's doing right now is just – and I watched him a lot this winter too yeah. and tried to study it as much as I could. And um, what Jet's doing right now is just he's taking the, like, technique and the balance of the sport to, like, the next level in my opinion and it's not hard to see when he rides he just makes it look effortless makes everything look easy um like he's breaking early but carrying momentum um and he's making that look effortless which that is not easy to do but his balance on the bike is always super good he's always got you know the right amount of pressure on either side of the peg and he's really good at like getting the traction down to the ground and it's something that i'm trying to learn um and honestly it is it's not easy but I, I think i'm getting a little bit better at it um but like you know we all have different riding styles like if you watch you know chase ride compared to jet it's a little bit different it's more of like a bulldog yeah um kind of style of riding a little bit which is weird because then you watch sex compared to tomac and that's completely different yeah um as well so i don't think it's like a one thing that kind of makes it different i think these guys are just carrying a lot more momentum through like the first part of the corner um coming in um like through the maybe the last 20 feet where they're not breaking as much so they let the bike do a lot of the work right okay and that's kind of what i'm trying to work on um but again not easy to do and not easy to duplicate and <laughs> this might sound weird but you know in canada we're 
we're used to our tracks and our stuff and i think you know we'd be closer if they came here i think um but it kind of comes down to you know they're pretty talented maybe yeah. i'm just not that talented <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i feel like the, i don't know if this has come across weird but the way that they're riding it's more like road uh road racing uh, or like yes. even like road, like they're just they're out wide and swinging. They're never ever allowing the bike to come to a stop where they can carry a lower RPM, higher gear, and just ro- constantly rolling and moving. And like you just said, it doesn't even look like they're going fast, but their bike is another two or three mile an hour faster. But it doesn't even look like it because it doesn't look like they're making the effort. Where like a Tomac is doing the same thing, but he's uh, you know the gear or the RPM is way higher. He's more of that muscly strength riding but like almost like road racing like they're just never ever letting the bike get down to a a point where it needs to get into that higher rpm where it sounds like it's making power but that's not where it makes its power no exactly and i think um whatever you know kind of jet's doing is he's taking a little bit of the torque out of the motorcycle i believe is my understanding um so it doesn't hit nearly as hard so it makes it easier to ride a little bit easier to carry momentum which is completely backwards from like maybe five years ago on what we were doing to motorcycles, like just trying to get them fast and up to speed as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, so I think that style is kind of going to change the game a bit. But when you look at the way the tracks shape up, it, those kind of that style of riding is, I think why we're getting tracks that are a little harder to pass on a little bit more one line because, you know, we have like down there, you've got to qualify in the morning on the first session, right? You get one, roll lap where it's like um red cross the whole lap so you roll one lap and then you're right into qualifying basically so you can qualify to either practice so i think that <laughs> that's kind of ruining the racing in my opinion just because the tracks are getting up here you're talking in, it, in canada right what's that in, at our tracks right yeah well yeah. even in the u.s as well like it's kind of the same thing where oh, okay. they're like they're right into qualifying, but this new style of like outside to inside is making the track a little harder to pass on. Right. Um, just because everybody's kind of going in that main line that's fast, that is sweeping, you know, out to in, like, like you're saying, like that new style. Um, it's making it, it's making it tough. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you look at the, the, the races, um, you know, you go to, to Walton, for instance, it, you know, once that main rut, even if it's deep as shit, like it's it's still the best line to take. Yeah. Uh, no matter if you're on the fifty or the or a four fifty pro, it seems like it's it gets that to that point. Like it's it's like really the difference between you know a fifth and a sixth place rider is like milliseconds. And but the guy in sixth is definitely going faster. But you just there's nowhere to really make something happen to kind of make a move. And you got to either dive in or be aggressive and, 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 you know, cause that sort of dramatic pass instead of just making it work with a, with a different, a different option line out there. Yeah, exactly. And the speed of the bikes too is yeah kind of comes down to it where like these four, these maybe the two fifty class a little bit um, easier, but the four fifty class, like you can almost make a mistake and be back up to speed pretty quick yeah like, <laughs> yeah you know whereas like maybe back in the day it wasn't nearly um and i can't speak for obviously i wasn't racing back then but um you know maybe it was a little bit easier like a guy would make a mistake and you'd be actually be able to kind of get up at least beside him whereas now it makes it tough even like using a different line yeah um but yeah that's where those those guys are really good at just carrying their momentum and not making mistakes 
Um, before we just leave this, uh, the way you rode this past weekend compared to the the way you rode uh, in the summer are same same guy. You felt the same speed, the same comfort, and everything like that. Or did you have to find a little more in you to be you know fitting into that top ten like where you finished? Um, you know, again, just obviously way two different tracks, two different scenarios, but. Uh, were you happy and felt like they're basically the same guy that Dylan Wright in Canada is down at Ironman this past weekend? Yeah, um, it's tough because I'd come through the pack both motos, but um, I think so. Like, I think the speed was there, um, especially like in qualifying and stuff. Like, I was right about where I thought I should, right in with Barsha and um, AC Plessinger kind of thing. Like, right. that's where I thought I would be able to fit in. Obviously, you know, Plessinger in the motos was um, pretty good, but even in qualifying, I was like, hey, I'm right there. Like, I'm not. I'm not off. I'm kind of where I thought I would be. Um, and then in the motos, it was the first moto, obviously coming through the pack, it makes it tough for the first few laps coming from 20th or 20th. Yeah. Well, at one point I was in like 30th, but what I'm not happy about, but, um, you know, you come through and then once I got into that spot, um, you know, like catching into the top 10, I felt like I was riding, like I, I can ride. And then once I got there, I just, there was too big of a gap to even really, bother pushing to the end really because i would think i was down on march banks like 18 seconds by the time i got into eighth right yeah to try and catch seventh so i was like i mean at that point i might as well just save some energy so that i kind of just chilled out a bit and rode it in um basically but uh the second moto i at the at the start of the race i felt like i was like dang i can like go this pace um you know i felt as smooth and um, kind of calculated and even after I, I just had like two or three laps where I just kind of made a bunch of mistakes that I wasn't super happy with because I think I would have if I wouldn't have made those mistakes I probably would have been able to get March Banks and maybe Phil but um, yeah I was just my second mode I was a little bit more disappointed just because the you know the train came off the tracks after I crashed a bit and then after you kind of keep doing the moto it, it comes back to you a little bit but I was just a little frustrated and um yeah, actually, <laughs> hit my shoulder pretty good. My whole arm was numb for like a lap, but nice. I mean, kind of way she goes. <laughs> well, that's not, it's not like you to just shake pain off or anything like that. That's not like you. You're yeah, such a, well, you're... Like, at least that wasn't really pain. It was just numbness. So it wasn't <laughs> too, too bad. <laughs> that's all right. It'll come back later. Don't worry about it. Just go. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know. Well, you know when you like hit a nerve or something, it's just like tingles. Um, yeah, well, yeah, hundred percent. I get that all the time with my kids stepping on me or I'm stepping on a toe or <laughs> stepping on a toy or something. Um, all right. Uh, congrats on a, a solid end there. That was fun to watch. I got a chance to watch it after my weekend, uh, running the races and stuff like that. And it was cool. And, and I guess I should ask quickly, uh, what happened in the first turn? You, you kind of went like left and then ran into the only other Canadian on the line. Like, how do you guys find yeah. each other? <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he's not too mad about that. I haven't obviously talked to him. Well, it looked like if I can make an – it looked like I watched it. I kind of rewound it a little bit because I noticed uh, they, they did it and then slow mode. It looked like when you came into the first turn, it looks like maybe they didn't get all the ruts groomed and you like kind of caught one and it just – it took you off balance to the left. Yeah, and then it wasn't that because it was actually flat. Like they okay, did it pretty good. It was – so I had got a pretty decent start, and I was right between AC and Barsha. Um, so we were coming in the first turn there, and then I was like, like maybe a handlebar or two, a couple inches behind Barsha coming into the turn. But the way AC kind of swept in, and Barsha kind of went straight and was going to kind of take that line away, 
I had to chop the throttle for a sec, but AC came in. I just clipped like the knobby of his back tire oh, okay. and shot me left. Um, and there's not much I could do. Like, yeah. Well, that's I didn't. I didn't want to clean Jess out, but it just kind of happened. Well, I actually, you didn't clean anybody out on the start because it's really dangerous. Yeah, obviously. Well, you didn't actually one for me and for everybody else. But uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just clipped um ac's back wheel and then they yeah it shot me left and i did nothing i could do yeah no i, I watched it on there it was a t- it looked like an just a racing thing and actually you didn't really clean him but you had to you kind of veered into him and he had to go left and then whoever was behind him had no option other than to run into him and that's where the, the accident came from but um way to go canada find each other on the fucking gate 42 other guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know and it's not even like we were started right next to each other i think he was probably four or five gates down too so yeah uh yeah just kind of crap luck obviously i would have had a better start had that not happened too yeah <laughs> like if i would have just kind of stayed in there i probably would have been up with you know and not had to pass my way into behind where kind of ac and anderson were but um yeah not yeah. ideal yeah no i was uh, my chest was painted with the flag and then i'm like oh fuck really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy there's gonna be some fireworks yeah I, yeah and then it was like i had a couple people oh yeah this nation is gonna go great now and i'm like i I hope he doesn't hold me to it, but I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's racing. Um, okay, let's get into this past summer. Um, obviously, Dylan, you, you you had another amazing year. Uh, you lost three motos, every overall. Um, once you hit Gopher Dunes, or uh, basically the last moto Calgary you won, and then from that on, you went on an 11-moto win streak. Like, dude, you're, you're, you're sucking the wind out of the sails of a 450 championship for the last four years. Um, yes, there's been moments in here and that, but like, um, another summer, um, just kind of give me your overall feeling of it all. Obviously, it, it you know, look from the outside looking in, it looked pretty amazing. But I'm sure there were some moments of up and downs. And I know you were trying to work through the, some bike stuff at the beginning of the year. And then I know the get guys came on board sort of in the middle when you guys were on break. And But um, another championship, four in a row, man. Another uh, and, and perfect season as far as overalls. You have 19 uh, overalls in a row right now, uh, which, is, which is pretty uh, – I don't man, it's it's fucking it's even amazing. I get sort of shaky when I'm saying it on my voice. Like it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously <laughs> I can't say much. The last four or five years have been um, amazing, really. Like you haven't fucking lost in five years, bro. You haven't lost in yeah. five years. Yeah, I know. It's been it's been a good run. I can't really complain too too much. Um, <laughs> other than you know, I would just keep trying to get better and better my craft and everything. But this one was kind of. I mean, obviously the 251 um, was tight because some stuff happened out west and stuff. But this one was a little rougher on the edges. I think coming into the season, um, you know, I had my knees done and everything, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to be, you know, 100 percent." I'm like, "Yeah, but <laughs> I also took six months off the motorcycle, so that's not always ideal." Um, and then got back on, and it took me a while to get going, like down south. And once I got up to speed, it was pretty good. And then came up to canada did all the testing and then kind of had um a curve like a wrench thrown into that a little bit like right before we were loading the truck so we had to change a bunch of stuff like last minute yeah um so we um had to do that heading into round one and i was like all right well try this out and see if it goes and um i think out west was definitely rough i didn't feel like I was riding like myself, but I was kind of just grinding through it and making it happen. Um, it was just kind of frustrating sometimes. Just well, you know, when you know you're maybe better than you are on the weekend, like you go and 
and you show up on the weekend, and you're like, damn, that wasn't exactly how I planned it out to be. Um, but as a moto guy, you just kind of got to push through it and figure it out and make a way, make it work. And um, yeah, so we just kind of got through the West, I would say. <laughs> it wasn't clean, but we made it work. And then um, once we got East, we had those few weeks of, you know, testing and some extra um, riding and um, getting the bike a little bit better and kind of get myself and the bike a little bit better. Um, and I think that helped. And then once we came East, I felt like I was riding more like myself. And even after, I think once we got to Moncton, yeah, I was like, all right, I feel like I'm actually back. Even like Sandy Lee, it was, I wouldn't feel like a hundred percent, I wouldn't say, but then after Sandy Lee, like we got to Moncton, Deschambeau, Walton, I was like, all right, I, kinda, I feel like myself. Like, I feel like I, I'm back to where I need to be. And obviously that's a cool feeling as a rider because you're struggling for, you know, I was struggling since February, just trying to get everything back to um, the way I know I can ride. And then finally to kind of get there is kind of nice. I feel like what you're just sharing there, like, um, you know, compared to real world, anybody that goes to like a job, whether you're a carpenter or a plumber or whatever it is, you're on the job, all of a sudden something happens and you just have to figure it out to get the job done. Maybe you don't have the proper tool, but you have a tool that can get you there. Or, uh, oh, this pipe is not quite bent. Ah, wait, we can fucking glue this here, figure that out. I feel like that's something that you have. And I've talked to some other riders about this. And of course, any other rider never likes to hear that they're not, they, they can't be as good as the guy that's beating them or they can't be as good as they need to be. But I've shared these things by saying, you have an ability to figure it out in the moment that I feel like almost everybody else in the 450 class just doesn't have. And that might be where all of a sudden you just send it or you just figure it out. Like, I don't know if that's a, a tip of the cap to the, your craft or what it is, but you seem to have this uncanny ability. If something happens in the middle of the 30 plus two, you're like, well, fuck it. I, I don't have time to think about it. I just fucking figure it out and make it work underneath me. Is that, am I off base by saying that? Or I, I feel like I'm on point by saying that. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, especially, like, if something happens off the start or something, um, yeah, I basically, you know, you go into salvage mode and, you know, you're like, okay, I'm literally going to have to ride this 30 plus 2 as hard as I can, and no matter what happens, I'm at least, you know, I'll be able to say I gave it 100%. That's basically where I go to. And I was like, and I think it came from, like, the way my dad raised me a bit, too, because any race weekend, like, my dad wasn't a guy who would get mad at me and yell at me for a bad finish. But the only time my dad would get mad at me if I didn't give 100%. Right. Um, Any time that I raced. So I think that was, that uh, it's kind of been drilled into me. And, like, you don't, you know, you don't give up until the checkered flag waves. Or, you know, that's the only kind of, where my dad would get mad and um so i think that's just kind of been drilled into me and um so if something like that happens but then there's also these times like throughout a moto and it on a, this weekend i didn't get it but it's like in canada where i was like i get to a certain lap and i was like okay i feel good now i can actually go push um or like sometimes i'll just be riding hit my marks hit my marks and then i'll just you know have this feeling where all right time to go and i even sometimes i'll say it in like my helmet i'm like all right well time to drop the hammer and see what i can do and uh, that's like a cool feeling as a as a rider where yeah. you're like you can you know that you can step it up a level when you need it um and you know that's kind of the i don't know and it's not like it's something i train really it's just something i kind of happens when i'm racing and um 
yeah, it just seems to work out. And sometimes it doesn't because you step it up and then you crash <laughs> and whatever. But I'm, I've never been the guy to, you know, shy away from trying to go to the next level. And, you know, crashing happens when you try and do that. And um, if that's what I need to do to find, like, my full potential, then, hey, I'm willing to kind of lay the bike down once or twice. I mean, like, that's, yeah, well, like you just said, you can't. You can't buy that. You can't really teach that. That's that's like a heart. Like you know what you said, your dad. Like if you you back in the day, like any kids that might listen to this, just always give it a hundred percent, and that consistency of doing that should pay off when you get to the moments where you're like unsure, but just fucking try with what you have in your hands in the moment, and it it should work out, kind of thing. Because you've always learned to put a hundred percent of effort towards it, kind of thing. And I think that's just, I mean. You know, you can, that's been said forever, right? Give a hundred percent effort. Yeah. And, and obviously like, I'm not saying that none of the other guys are doing that. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. Everybody out there is, you know, giving their hundred percent and doing their hardest. But I mean, when you're in the moment and yourself and you know that you've done this forever and that you not give up, that's kind of, you know, I say every time you give up, especially like in practice for kids listening, this is pretty important in my opinion is every time that you pull off from a moto during practice, whether it's you crash or your goggles or, um, I don't, I don't know. You get roosted and, or you're not feeling great that day is it, you know, you unlock that in that inside of you that giving up is okay. So I will always, I'll fight that to the death that anytime you give up on something, anytime in life that when you're not done and you give up is a time where you're telling your brain that it's okay to not finish. Yeah. It's not a good position to be in like when you're on the track and it's 34 degrees and humid and you're dying out there literally it's not you know you don't want to have that thought you want to have the thought of like i'm gonna grind this out i don't care if i pass out kind of thing and if you let that in one time it's there it's like it sticks with you and that it'll you know what i mean like it, it can never go away if you drop that ability to be able to fight like what you're saying you let yeah, your brain think yeah. that one time it'll take it'll always be there it'll be like a guy like those fucking cartoon movies that they make about the brain and there'll be like a guy sitting over there with a with a smoke just waiting oh hey remember i'm here i did that that one time um yeah. you know oh, exactly like this winter i like i had taken a lot of time on the bike and you know a week into training i was like i'm gonna do a 40 minute moto so i went out and did a 40 minute moto but my god at 18 minutes i had the worst arm pump i think i've ever had in my life <laughs> and i was riding around but I was like, I have to finish it. I said I was going to do it. I got to finish it. And I was just dying. Like, I was like, I can't even ride. I can't hold on to the bike. And I've never been a guy to get arm pumped, but I've also never really taken that much time off the bike. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I have never felt this bad on a dirt bike. <laughs> but I was like, I have to finish. So I went out and my lap time was probably twice as slow as when I started. But <laughs> I got it done. But, you know, it's just a matter of not giving up. You just do it. Um, I lo- I love that attitude. Like I said, I, you know, besides being a fan and stuff like that, I, I think that's one of those things that's an attribute that you have towards your racecraft, which is pretty cool. That that I'm, like you said, everybody has it, but maybe they maybe there's maybe they've quit twice or quit four times or something in it, and it can bite them more. And again, this isn't a, a, a knock on anybody. This, is, but I think that's something that ability that you have to be able to do that is pretty uh, uncanny compared to most. I, the only other person I think that had something like that um, in our sport forever. Uh, is the the guy that's got the most championships ever? It would be 
uh, Ross Peterson. Um, it just seemed like any like you know, I grew up sort of right when he was kind of getting out of it, but I saw the history of the toughness and the fucking never give up, and and I heard all the stories, and it just seemed like he was this guy that just was able to be like a hundred fucking percent no matter what, like your fucking arm falls off in the moto and you're still fucking riding kind of thing. Like it's yeah. Just, yeah, I remember my dad. I broke my foot in a race. I pulled off, <laughs> and it'd be the last time I pull off. I pull off, and my dad's. Grab my foot, and he's like, "Well, there ain't a fucking bone sticking out of it. Get back out there." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, <laughs> dude. I I remember you know. in uh, in ninety ninety seven, I started kind of turning around and, and showing in the pro side of things. It was Blair Morgan and Dubay, and I was talent more talented than them and stuff like that. And then ninety seven, I had a decent year, and then ninety eight coming into it, I was like the factory Yamaha guy, and I was getting Fox gear, and I was this and that, dyeing my hair fucking blonde, and my attitude just changed. And that year, I gave up, like was turned into like this pussy. And my dad or, or more John Nelson was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? You're such a fucking po-. like." And then yeah, it got to yeah. the point of like, I felt. Like I was just, I was just a suck. Like I was just being such a baby that I couldn't even get out of that zone and, and fight my way back. It was this weird sort of feeling. And it, it from that in 1998, it was like this year of like, I tarnished my, my ability to f- be a fighter. Uh, and I never was able to really climb out of that. I had a little bit of 99 and in a couple moments, but 98 was a real year where I was like, I look back on it now and I'm like, Oh my God, I was such a fucking pussy and it was because i was worried about what people thought or this and my ego my ego got the best of me and i was you know and and i look back at it now and i'm like god that could have been such the turnaround of my career in 1998 but you know again live and learn and and uh you you focus forward but yeah that was that year anytime i'm like if i have a couple beers now and you get to that moment you're thinking of the past 98 comes up and i just i want to take the 1998 wrangle and just punch his fucking face in it it, it makes me so angry thinking about it yeah yeah (laughs) oh for sure um I want to go to uh, this year. You made a, a mechanic switch, maybe kind of forced because Justin Pecker, who was obviously a god, if you will, behind the wrenches and getting bikes ready, kind of wanted to take a step back. And then uh, your guy Braden stepped in. You know what? I don't even know Braden's last name. Colty. Well, okay, fuck. I've never even asked him. I just call no, him. Bra- I, yeah, I don't think a lot of people. <laughs> I just call him Braski when I see him. Hey, Braski, what's up, Braski? Like a, a hockey analogy, you know? You had a ski. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Almost nothing changed. Uh, like, is that Petker uh, building another guy behind? Because he was obviously helped Ryder McNabb, and he works at the shop. And then you guys seem like you have a great bond with each other. He was able to go to, to Italy and, and MXONs and fly to the Paris thing and stuff like that. Like, that's got to be very comfortable, comfortable for a guy like you um, to have another guy fill in that role because – no, most would know it, but not everybody knows that that is such a big role for a guy like you, the ability that you have five years in a row right now. Like you need to make sure your shit is looked after and you, you're confident that, that you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, yeah, Braden, we worked together a little bit before, uh, like you said, we came to Italy and Paris and, <laughs> and I think, yeah, it kind of comes down to like you're saying is like in the shop, those guys work together every day, right? Yeah. They were in the shop together nine to five throughout the whole winter throughout the summers like late nights in the shop um so Braden kind of learned from justin on that side of things and um you know being meticulous and making sure everything's good and you know not um not leaving stuff like last minute or anything trying to get everything done um so i think that was where like the you know the confidence and as a rider you have to have confidence in your mechanic or it's not going to work um 
because I mean, realistically, if a guy you know doesn't do a bolt wrong, your life's on the line at the speed that we're going. Um, and obviously, I have a lot of trust in those two guys. Um, you know, building my bikes and having everything perfect for me. And yeah, I ju- um, Justin. You know, obviously, I worked with him since I was on the team with two fifties. He wasn't my mechanic on the weekend, but he was my mechanic like in the shop during the week most of the time like for practice bike stuff um and then yeah Braden learned from him and I kind of work with Braden the last three or four years he's been with the team he was on more on the 250 side of things but you know we obviously kept working together and would be at the test testing and everything and I think he was learning by watching Justin and I kind of work together so when he stepped into the role it was kind of just super easy um for everybody and I mean obviously on race day, you know, he worked with Ryder last year, so I have a few different things that I do on race day. But Braden's just, honestly, he's just an easygoing guy and is always there to, like, give his 100%. And, I mean, that's all I can really ask for from a mechanic is that he gives his 100%, I'm going to give my 100%, and then at the end of the day, I'll buy him a beer. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. And Braden did a great job. I mean, we didn't have anything except for the – you know, the buds thing, but which really wasn't his fault. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously he's a great mechanic and he's a great attribute to the team. And um, I enjoy working with him. And, you know, he's a younger guy, so hopefully he's around for a while and, um, you know, can be a part of my program for um, kind of years to come. Whereas Justin was, you know, he's got some older kids and going in their teenage years and um, he wanted to phase back. But he was still in the shop working on our bikes um you know building race bikes and everything too so justin was still a big part of the program so yeah. i think it kind of kept the you know the the wheel just turning and it didn't um you know there's nothing new it was kind of just a little bit of the same and um yeah i think as a rider i'm pretty adaptable to kind of um changes so uh, i think it just honestly came easy for everybody and this is a big thing too with uh if there's kids listening is um treat everybody you work with with the amount of respect you want to be treated with and everything will go fine yeah hey great uh great thought right there i like that as well and i was gonna throw it back you have to learn to work with shit because you used to live in a fucking bus and ride the first generation of husqvarna's <laughs> yeah, 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 and my dad rents it on my bike, so obviously everybody knows. But that is the best mechanic in the world. He did what he could to make it work, and yeah, I mean, I rode some. Yeah, those Huskies weren't good back in the day. Those first generation was there was a lot of broken parts, and you know, times in the in the honestly the shed where we worked out at my parents' place. We didn't have a shop or a garage, and we did everything out of a shed. And oh man, it yeah, we worked hard. We, my dad and I went through a lot (laughs) Uh, growing up, but I mean, yeah, you get used to it. Like my dad didn't, man, he didn't get me suspension until I was my last year intermediate. I got Joe stuff the last year I was intermediate because he didn't really believe in suspension. He said, if you, if you hit a bump and you didn't like the way it hit, don't fucking hit it again. That's what he used to say. So uh, I got used to kind of finding lines going around it. And honestly, now I think it's benefited me. Like I, use kind of that same analogy but i have obviously better bikes but i can still use kind of the you know the stuff from riding shit when i was a kid to you know having obviously great motorcycles now i think it's helped yeah well yeah yeah um that's pretty (laughs) i remember the bus and those things that's crazy (laughs) oh shit um 
I want to throw a kind of an oddball question as we're kind of wrapping up towards the end of this thing. If you're a team manager right now, okay, and you need to take off your racer cap, uh, you have now kind of come, you, you signed a three-year deal, which is amazing. You're coming now and you're going to be in your second year next year. You've got two years left. This guy, Dil, the, you're the team manager. There's this guy, Dylan Wright. He's going on a 19-win streak, blah, blah, blah. If you got the budget or the thought, who are you? Who who do you think you hire next year to chase this Dylan Wright character down in the 450 class? Um, and before you answer, are you hiring to build someone up for maybe not for next year, but the 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 third year of this contract that Dylan Wright is currently in, or are you trying to hire outside of this country to beat Dylan Wright next year? Um, hmm. that's a tough one. Like obviously, I'm going to take my rider cap off um as an athlete but um that's a tough one because one depends on budget um because you're gonna hire a guy from the u.s you're gonna need a lot of budget um those guys aren't coming for free i don't think that's a mistake like um i'm trying to i'm trying to think um of guys like i know a few of the guys that everybody's thinking but i think they already have rides um Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> but I got you on the spot. I knew it would fuck you up. I got it. I know what other questions. Yeah, because <laughs> I think a few of the guys in, like that I know would be obvious choices would be already have rides, so that's kind of out there. But you're either going to have to come up with <laughs> it's going to sound kind of screwed up, but you're either going to have to come up with probably two hundred grand to get a good U.S. guy to come, and that's like obviously yeah. bonuses are going to be included in that two hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to come up with to get those guys to come because I know what a lot of these guys are making down there, and you're going to have to pay them to come up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, or that, or you hire a young like this. This what I would probably do is I would go get a young kid from overseas in the GPS or something um, that you know might be just off the crest of a you know 250 rider or 450 ride right now and then because there's some really good dudes over there that don't aren't in the spotlight yeah so you're gonna have to do some recruiting because there's some really good guys in europe um for outdoors anyways and you build that guy into your next you know you bring him in you give him a place to stay you pay him half decent you know because a lot of the guys don't live a very like extravagant life over there and oh, yeah. used to kind of the canadian side of things like it's kind of close a lot of them so you take a guy like that and bring him over and you build him into a man and you build him into a 450 champ and um that's the way i would do it if i was kind of gonna if i was not racing anymore and had to do something that's what i would do but and I, I, again the, the, you're very humble in this because uh, at some point if i was you i'd be saying like hey man like people can see I put the fucking work in. I'm. I want to fucking win. Yeah, the the stats and everything. I don't give a shit about that. I just go out to win. So you're gonna have to hire some money. That's a fucking put the work in like me. That to beat me. I'm. You know what I mean. I know you don't say those things, but that's like to hire someone to beat you is is like, you know. Oh, Dylan Wright's beatable. Oh, he makes mistakes or he rides this. Well, guess what? Nineteen fucking wins in a row goes against that. Five championships in a row goes against that. He gets the job done. So to hire someone, you're gonna have to. This person's gonna have to be a badass. MF or to fucking beat this guy. Um, and so I'll say it yeah, for you. That and that and I will say I 
learn from my mistakes for the most part. So, you know, this winter I know what I have to work on and I'll be better next year, hopefully, you know. Um, That's the goal. <laughs> this Ryder McNabb kid, rumor is, is uh, I, well, I think it got let out actually uh, yesterday on, on Pulp Max that he's, it looks like he signed with AEO, pretty good deal, Futures, and then Outdoor US. Um, he's young. He's obviously talented. You know him very well. Could he, yeah. can he make a, can he make a statement down there? Obviously this is way early on, but do you think he could be the one that, you know, sort of turns the tide as the young teenager now to get this opportunity to carry the Canadian flag and really make a name for himself down there? Yeah, he can. Um, and that's an easy answer for me. I think that team, um, I, they're getting more support from KTM and they're, getting a bigger budget so i think he should have really good bikes um I think that's that's important eh? especially in the 250 class the bike yeah you go down there and on the wrong bike in the 250 class yeah and good luck to you because it's not gonna go very well in my like unless you are jet lawrence yeah and can ride and, and even that good luck like when you're riding against these teams i mean look at pro circuit everybody was like oh their bikes are kind of not as good as they used to be and I don't know. I watched the start of the first moto this weekend, and there was four of them in the top five. So, yeah, they've been talking know, they're, about. They've been talking about that recently. So everybody's making yeah. progress to be better. Yeah, and if you're on a bike that's subpar in that class, like, good luck. It's not going to be easy. But I think he should have a good bike by the sounds of it, and he's got the talent. Um, that is no question. Um, I think if he has the right people in his corner, he'd be able to go even to the next level. And even then, I was really excited to kind of see what he can do at Ironman this weekend. I know he yeah. had a little crash on Monday or whatever, but I was really excited because I don't think everybody's going to, you know, look at Des Nations and how he does, but I think I really would have liked to see him this weekend because Des Nations is just a one-off race, so no, yeah. you can't base anything off of that race on finisher speed or anything. But, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do. I think this weekend he could have been a – top 10 guy like be right in there with all the other factory guys and i even think be better than a lot of like the like a cochran or um um phineas uh, or bomer bomer yeah like i think he's i personally think he's better than those guys on on a track like iron man this weekend and on a 30 plus two i think i think he is my opinion obviously you know i'm gonna side on his side a lot but um I think he is the only thing, and I know you guys have talked about it, and everybody's talked about it, is his supercross stuff. But I've seen Ryder, like obviously behind the scenes, and he's a super technical rider. So I think it'll come to him. He just needs to be comfortable. He's a rider that needs comfort. And once he's comfortable riding supercross, he'll be fine, but he needs to get down there you know next week yeah <laughs> or whatever like he needs to get down there and start riding it because unfortunately for him these guys have a upper hand on him right now like the kind of the bomer and yeah the yeah bennick and you know a rider d and all these other guys that he's going to be battling with especially outdoors i they've got a they've got a little bit of a head start so he's got to go now in my opinion and go down there get on it get comfortable work with someone spend I mean, I've listened to your podcast a little bit, but spend some money a little bit that yeah. he has made, invest in himself. And I mean, if he's going to do it, he's got to go, he's got to do it now. And he's like, I wish I would have done it at his age, but I honestly, I didn't have the money or the talent or the, at that age, I didn't have it quite as figured out as he does at yeah. 18 or, um, and I think Supercross will come to him. He's just got to get, he's just got to be comfortable and ride some and 
he doesn't like getting hurt. He's not like he's not a me who can just shut his brain off and not do that. He 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 likes to be within his means, right? And Supercross is tough at, when you're starting to ride within your means. You got to kind of send it a little bit. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's a fucking amazing answer. I knew. Uh... And I agree. I, I, you know, like you said to yourself, at your age, where you are now, you, you know, well, none of us, we all thought you were going to be good, but you, we did not see what we are seeing now when you were 17, 18. We knew you were fast and talented and stuff like that, but there wasn't a moment like, okay, Dylan Wright should go to the States right now and spend his fucking money and give it a shot, right? Where yeah. this sort of, where, where Ryder is at in his stage and his, his age, it's like, yeah, this kid looks like he's got it. And, I mean, you might be able to toot your horn a little bit on it. You've you kind of guided a little bit. You've seen him. You, you know. And and I've talked to Digger about this, and uh, I think it's upset. Um, well, there hasn't been too many riders under you or whatever it is, but um, well, this is the way Dylan does it. Like that's the 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 that sticker can be put on the fucking front of the gym as you're leaving the door. Well, Dylan does it this way, guys, and you have a resume that's hard to argue against. Now everybody has their own little way of getting around it and and figuring it out, but. If, if Dylan Wright is doing it this way, I would be like, give me that cup and just I'm drinking the fucking Kool-Aid. Whatever you're doing, I'm doing it. Okay, this doesn't quite work well with me, my shoulder. Okay, I can't get my leg this way, so I got to neek it. But, like, just drink that Kool-Aid all up, the Dylan Wright, the Dylan Wright juice, because, I mean, the, the fucking, I don't know, what you got going on. And, and like I said, I think Riders was able to do that those last couple of years. And, man, he was strong this summer like he was every time i got on the bike he looked just super confident super strong um no matter changing the team different atmosphere all that stuff he looked even more strong and comfortable on the bike every time he touched the track so uh, a little tip of the cap to you there and maybe it was that speech at uh, sandalee <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, i've had i've had a few talks with him not just that one i can tell you that for free there's been a lot yeah even, even this year and um, you know, obviously he's not on the team, but he, him and I still talk a lot. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I truly, I feel invested in his program a little bit, and um, obviously I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope I can be a small part of his program for years to come or whatever he wants me to be. <laughs> and yeah, I think um, honestly, but I go about it just as friends, to be honest, not as a, I don't go about it as a. In, you know we're colleagues I guess if you look at it but it's honestly just his buddies like bust his, bust his balls and you know I think that's the best way of going about it and I, t- I just tell him straight up say you want to do the work you can be as good as you want to be you don't want to well then I guess I hope you like finishing second it doesn't really bother me as much I don't care it's not coming out of my wallet so that's the way I go about it um, but I think you know as he gets older, and obviously this year you could see he matured a bit and, you know, got taller and filled out a little bit more, just stronger, like you said, on the motorcycle. Yeah. And I think that he'll continue. He's just, you know, he's a, he was a teenager. I guess now he's 17, 18. But, you know, as he continues to grow, he's just going to get stronger. And I think, yeah, hopefully that team is, you know, I hope they don't screw him over. I'll probably be on a flight to California to yell at them with him. And, yeah, um, I like it. You know, where she goes. But I think, I think he'll be – I think he should be in good hands. Like, like that KTM Orange Brigade kind of program that yeah. he's on is pretty dialed in. Like with even with like DB and those guys down there, they seem to have it figured out. And um, yeah, I just hope you know he gets to ride with the the right guys at the right time and gets to people see him at the right time because you know how it is in our sport. You know, if you get seen at the right time at the right moment, anything 
you know, you can go to the next level and yeah. make a changer. It can go downhill. So I just hope everything works out for him. And obviously, I'm here whenever he needs someone to talk to and whatever. I think, yeah, I know we talked about him a lot, but yeah, I care. I care a lot about him, and I hope he does well. I think uh, you should be good. Uh, all right, this has been another rider check-in. Big thanks to Bristol Coachworks, KTM Canada, Gas Gas Canada, and Husqvarna Canada for jumping on board here at the Canadian Motocross Unfiltered family. Uh, this has been a great chat with Dylan Wright. Dylan, one last thing before I let you go. Um, I, don't know if you, well, I don't let, know if you listen to our review pod, but I made uh, – uh, uh, had a take. I heard about this take. Well, I, I have a take that you're, you're – becoming one of the greatest racers that has ever been around this country uh i i and i the stats are proving it i mean you know the what ross did is unbelievable it was a different era different time how do you compare them but i'm putting you ahead of jsr and colin fasciati uh at this screen and, you're, and you got you don't got, tell cold don't tell cold you got lots of years left here too and i mean how does that feel like uh again i'm a fan but i'm also a historian of everything i've watched every single one of these people i see what's going on I feel like my opinion has some weight, and and uh, I think you're doing it. No, I I appreciate that, Golly. Obviously, um, you know it feels good coming out of coming out of your mouth. You know anybody you know, and their brother could say it, but obviously, you know you've been in this sport for God since I was born. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you've kind of seen it all. So it honestly carries some weight coming from coming from you, and I appreciate that. But I will say I don't look at myself that way. I still feel like I got business to handle um to be on those guys level but that's honestly just what keeps me motivated and keeps me going every day and um you know i have to have the level of respect towards you know a jsr colton because those are the guys that i grew up idolizing so um you know that's you know i still look up to them um but no it definitely feels cool coming from coming from you and i think you know hopefully i can just kind of keep this keep this thing trucking for another uh, however many years I can race this sport and I'm one of the guys that love riding my dirt bike and enjoy it and hopefully I can race for a long time and be you know the next maybe T-Dags who can ride to 35, 36 and that's kind of you know what I want to do and hopefully I can make it happen 10 more that's 10 more years for you <laughs> yeah, 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 ten more years. Yeah, if I could, if I could do it, and my body holds together, I don't know how T Dex is doing it, but hopefully, I can make it happen. That's my <laughs> oldest child right there. That's ten years. That's what oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, well, hey, buds, I appreciate the hell out of the time, man. It went way longer than I uh, than I thought it would, but of course, you're just always uh, a great chat, uh, great ambassador, and uh, what you've done this past year, the past five years, and what is in the future. I, I'll be here to watch and uh, be doing these a lot more times. I appreciate it again. Yeah, thanks, Golly. Appreciate it. And honestly, um, hats off to you guys for what uh, you, Noof, and Ken are doing. Obviously, I, uh, you know, love to have the content and stuff to listen to when I'm driving. And I know you guys make me laugh. And um, yeah, and obviously, Noof, big part of our program too. So hats off to him. And uh, yeah, you guys keep doing your keep doing your thing. Will do. I'm firing Noof. I won't, I'll say that now on the show. We're getting new fire. We got more people coming in to carry the weight. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Just kidding. The show wouldn't be anything over that. I appreciate your time again, Dylan. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.